0: You filled your belly. I couldn't another thing, I'm absolutely stuffed. Now fill your brain with lightning knowledge. What can I do to speed the whole thing up, doctor? This is Lightning Lunch, a full hour of lightning talk with lightninginsider.com's Eric Erlinson. Did you see the memo about this? On Lightning Power Play.
1: Good afternoon, welcome to Wednesday, February the 26th edition of Lightning Lunch here on Lightning Power Play, Eric Rollinson from lightninginsider.com, your host, also the host of the opening Faceoff show. I hope you caught it yesterday. Caught the emergency backup goalie situation involving Bobby the Chief Taylor from back when he was playing in a minor, minor league situation back in, geez, that must have been the late 60s. That uh, late 60s or early 70s when that took place. Uh, if you did miss it, You can always find the show on our replay page if you go to lightningpowerplay.com and hit the replay link. It'll take you to our SoundCloud page and then look for the opening face-off from February the 25th if you want to listen to that story. You can also find it on Apple iTunes. Just search Lightning Power Play and then search for the opening face-off show from yesterday. So that's all of our stuff is available on demand. Uh, This show in case you haven't caught up with it, is we're posting it in the afternoons now for On Demand. It replays at 3 p.m. here on the station, and then it goes On Demand at 4 o'clock, give or take a few minutes. So if you missed the show, if you only caught half the show uh, and you want to catch it that day, uh, a couple of people have mentioned that how much of the stuff that we talk about here on the show is usually... Game day specific or day specific information, and it's a valid point. So we have listened to that, and we will now start posting this show for uh, on demand slash um, listen at your leisure, starting at four o'clock on the day the show airs. So again, same places: go to lightningpowerplay.com, click on the replay link. About a quarter of the way down the page is where you can find that. That'll take you to our SoundCloud page. Search for Lightning Lunch or find the Lightning Lunch um, graphic or photo or whatever you want to call it. Click on that and it'll take you to the Lightning Lunch page. Sometimes, I will warn you, you have to go to the very, very bottom of the page. Usually the most recent three, four episodes are all the way down at the bottom. Don't ask me why. It's technology. Sometimes it just doesn't make sense. But that's how you're going to have to find it. Usually the day that it posts, it's going to be all the way down at the bottom of the page. So you have been forewarned on that. And, of course, as I mentioned, on Apple iTunes, you can find it the same way. You can find the opening face-off and all of our shows here on Lightning Power Play that play throughout the day. Of course, Greg Lenelli with Power Play Live, as well as The Last Call. Uh, he does it with Brian Engblom for home games. He does it with myself for road games. So that is also... Uh, generally available as well so if you ever miss any of our programming that is where you can find it on replay all right it's sometimes i just have to shut things down right because sometimes i just can't take some of the factions of this fan base last night was one of those nights The comments and the pending doom, the complete reversal from a week ago, sometimes it's just too much. Did they play well last night? No. Did they play well in Arizona on Saturday? No. Did they play well in Vegas? Not really. Okay, so they've lost three games in a row. I get it, you expect your team to win every single game. They should be 82-0-0. If you pay attention to some factions of the fan base. A lot of those individuals, and there are individuals within a group, only want to engage me negativity. I don't want to be surrounded by negativity. I invite your comments. I invite your interaction. I love the interaction, especially on this show that we get to do it. I don't get to talk directly to you, but we do get to have a semblance of a conversation on things, and I will take any and all questions, within reason, and I will address them as long as they're clean and respectful. But I I don't want to I don't want to see a comment that comes into my timeline that says, "Watch, they're going to tank now. We're going to miss the playoffs." Come on. There's 19 games to go. They have an 11-point lead over the Toronto Maple Leafs. Please, please, in your wildest dreams, what makes you think that they're going to lose the remaining 19 games? That is as less likely as it is that they'll go 82-0. and 0. So last night, I, I haven't done this, not consciously anyway, in a long time. I, I, I stopped re- responding to people last night. Because I, 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 I do have to watch the game. It's part of what I do. If you want me to provide some, what's the term I'm looking for here? Unbiased analysis, then I do have to watch the game. So if Eric did it again, Zach Bogosian makes a mistake. Okay, he made a mistake. I don't need my timeline filled up. If Nikita Kucherov makes a bad pass, okay, he made a bad pass. Mistakes happen in this game. Right now, the Lightning are making more of them than we're accustomed them accustomed to them seeing them do. While they were on that unbelievable hot streak, the power play is right now. That's true. See here it is again. Saw Sorelli back check poorly. Hmm. <laughs> I just Connor, I just don't know sometimes. I just don't know. Um look, they've lost three games in a row. And we we brought this topic up two two weeks ago. Three weeks ago. Three weeks ago. Three weeks ago exactly from today, when they beat Vegas here, that was a 4-2 game. And they had just come back from California, the West Coast. They played on a Saturday night in San Jose. They stayed the night, flew back the next day on a Sunday, and then took the day off on Monday and came in Tuesday a morning skate to get You've heard me discuss this before. 2 days off the 2 days off the ice for players. It's a long time. Especially when you're coming back from the West Coast. Toronto was actually uh well they would have flown on Monday, but they were already in the Eastern Time Zone. All that The Lightning had been out west for a week between Colorado, Vegas, and Arizona. They went from mountain to Pacific to mountain time zone. So to come back, you're going to get, I think, a little bit about what we saw last night. And I think Yanni Gord, when we spoke to him in the locker room after the game, sort of hit the nail on the head here a little bit where he said, we didn't have the energy, didn't have the energy to, that they had put forth during that really good stretch. I mean, let's, let's not forget that really good stretch. That team is the team you're more likely to see than what we've seen the past, really the past two games most likely. So the energy, and I think that's what, and Yanni is an energetic player, so for him to say this I think gives you an understanding of maybe where we get last night's result. They started fine. Get the first goal of the game. Beautiful move by Steven Stamkos. Undressed Rasmus Sandin got the puck over to Nikita Kucherov for a one-timer. One nothing. Things look good, right? Well, then they started to get into penalty trouble and this is an area that maybe maybe of all the things and this is something I wrote about on my site today. During that long stretch the penalty kill was out of this world from December the 28th until February the 13th. The penalty kill was 90%. So, as we have discussed here on the show, and I've discussed it other places as well, that... Because the penalty kill was so good, and the power play was going into this slide that they're in, and, and now it's it's a concern now. It's gone on too long for this power play. They weren't losing the special teams battle. They weren't, we weren't winning. But they weren't losing it. And that's why you were able to get the results that they did have. and. Why that has a lot of us that sit back and analyze this team so excited, so to speak, is because that means their five-on-five play has been stellar. Stellar. And that's what you want, right? You want five-on-five play because when you get to the postseason, that's what everybody talks about. Well, you're not going to get that many power play chances. So it doesn't matter that you're 30% on the power play during the regular season. You're not going to get the chances to score. And to an extent, that's somewhat true. I think that's more evident the deeper you go into a playoff season. The referees want to say that they start the playoffs, the standard is the same. We know that's not the case. And there were some power play opportunities in that series against Columbus last year. Lightning didn't convert. The Blue Jackets did one of the reasons that that series went the way it did. But you saw Yanni Gord get hooked off the wall and no call. You saw Ryan McDonough hook a play, I forget who it was, on on a partial breakaway, there was no call. So don't tell me the standard is the same during the regular season as in the playoffs. It's just not true. But this is why we got so excited about where this team was playing, how they were playing, how they were getting the results. Because there were times last year where the power play rescued them. And they would win a game 4-3 to three because they would score two power play goals. Well, what happened last night? Toronto scored two power play goals and they won 4-3. to three Because the Lightning did not convert on their power play and they gave up two power play goals. And while power plays are streaky, this is no longer a streak. This is a trend. So I think you have to have some concern about how they're going to turn the special teams around for games like that. You don't want to have this trend now continue for way too long. Because this is – these are the numbers – And even my my blurry, sleep-starved eyes last night put these numbers together. That same stretch of games, the 28th to the 13th, when the penalty kill was at 90%, they killed off 63 of 70 power play goals against. The power play was 7 for 54. That's 13%. So seven power play goals over the span of 23 games. It's definitely not the standard, especially with the talent this team has. That's a staggering number. Now, their record during that time, 20, 2, and 1. They had a winning streak of 10 games, which started actually on December 23rd against Florida and a win streak of 11 games. Last night they had their franchise record 11-game home winning streak end. They had a franchise record 13 consecutive home games with a point broken. So you can see they've had elongated stretches of success in the past two months. But in the recency bias that we tend to have, we see last night's game and think that that's that's the standard it's not the standard the standard is what they did in the middle of january really the middle of february from not the Dallas game coming out of the break but the next game in LA from that game on up until the game against the flyers on the 15th that was that was the team that's the team they need to be more consistent and they did it they had seven straight games allowing two or fewer goals It's, it slipped up a little bit here. Gave up five to Vegas. Seven to Arizona. A team that was having all kinds of problems scoring. But you have those nights every now and then. And then four last night to Toronto, including giving up two power play goals. One of them was a deflection. The other one was just an unbelievable move by William Nylander. And I want to get this straight, too. Somebody told me, I forget who it was, that they thought that was a hot dog move by Willie Nylander. That is not a hot dog move. I, I think I think we're way past that mentality, that Don Cherry mentality. Remember, Don Cherry once called Sidney Crosby a hot dog because he scored a lacrosse goal in junior. That was an unbelievable skilled play by William Nylander. I mean, harken back yourself to April of 2004. I think it was April. might have been May. Game three, second-round series, Tampa Bay versus Montreal. What did Vinny LeCavalier do? Put a puck between his legs and scored a goal on Jose Theodore with 13 seconds left to tie the game. Was that a hot dog move? It's the same thing that Nylander did last night. It's an unbelievably skilled play, and shooters will tell you and goalies will tell you that when they do that, they change the angle on the goalie, and it opens up more than that, and William Nylander found it. Kudos to him. Great play. But now that the team has lost three games in a row, all of a sudden, we're all ready to jump ship. Not all of us. Some of us some of us and you know this this is this is almost a reflection of society today right negativity sells it's easy to be negative it's hard to praise people we don't want to praise so again and i and i did this to or let somebody know you know one of those ones who just sh- only show up in my timeline When things are not going well. I don't hear from them. I didn't hear from them when they went on an 11-game winning streak. But the minute somebody makes a mistake and they lose a game, whoa, can't have this. There has to be a balance. You have to have balance in life, but also in your fandom. You're passionate. You love your team. I understand that. You always want them to win. And maybe I've been in this business so long I've kind of – that emotion has kind of been pushed back a little bit. I don't have those same type of emotions, so I don't have these emotional responses. That's why I I can kind of give you more of a unbiased look at things. When they play well, they play well. When they play poor, I, I call it out. I don't sugarcoat things. I don't think I do. If I am, I'm sure somebody will tell me I'm wrong. But it's not the end of the world that the team has lost three straight games. It's not ideal. It's a season-long losing streak. But you also have injuries, and, and you know the penalty kill in particular, which, again, going back to the game against the Flyers here on the 15th, they've now given up a power play goal in five consecutive games. Two last night. They gave up two to Philly. Ryan McDonough has been missing now for three weeks. He is a big part of the penalty kill. And I've said this before. You can overcome the loss of a key player for a short period of time, but eventually you feel that void. And I'm not saying that's the sole reason the penalty kill has slipped, but it's part of it. It it, it takes Players out of rotation, all of a sudden Victor Hedman has to take on more penalty kill minutes. You know, a guy like a Braden Coburn or Luke Shen or whoever has to come in and kill penalties more so than maybe they're accustomed to doing. So it changes roles a little bit. Players are asked to take on more of a responsibility, and, and if they're good, they can handle it, but sometimes. Their effectiveness, there's a threshold to their effectiveness. We've, we've mentioned this with total ice time. It's the same as this. There's effectiveness to a certain point for certain players, and it's different for every player. But when you miss Ryan McDonough as long as they have, and you miss his presence, his shot blocking, his understanding, that, you know, he's been killing penalties in this league for more than a decade, right? So he knows, and he's a key part of this penalty kill. I mean, him and Eric Chernak are usually the first two over the boards to kill a penalty. So you're going to miss that void. The good news is, is it sounds like Ryan McDonough, potentially, potentially, based on what Julian Breezebois said on Monday, both at his press conference and then when he sat down with myself and Greg Linnelli for our draft, <laughs> falling into Greg's trap. Trade deadline special. That McDonough was expected to be out 10 to 14 days. So if it's on the shorter part of that, then we're looking at next weekend at the earliest as they they head out for three a quick three-game trip, three games in four days. Still have this homestand. You've got Chicago in here tomorrow night. Calgary is here on Saturday, 4 p.m. game. Boston Bruins are in here a week from yesterday. And then that five-game homestand close with the Montreal. And then they go to Boston, Detroit, Toronto. So maybe by the time the team goes to Toronto, that might be the latest. McDonough could be back, so that's good news. He's getting close to returning. And the other part, before we go to break, we're going to talk to Corey Long, by the way, get some of his thoughts. Uh, on the other side of the break that's coming up. But you also have some new faces that you're trying to integrate, and there is an adjustment period. Blake Coleman last night was only his third game. You had Barclay Goodrow make his lightning debut last night, and you had Zach Bogosian make his debut last night. And it takes a bit. Right, it's not instant success. There's spurts. You're gonna see spurts. I mean, we saw Goodrow and Coleman together on a penalty kill pair last night actually created a two-on-one on the penalty kill. So you have that going on as well. And let's face it, we've talked about this since training camp opened. The only way this team is going to put last year's playoff situation behind them is to get to the playoffs and advance. We're still six weeks away from the start of the postseason. The focus has has dropped. I think their attention to detail has dropped a little bit. I don't want to say it's because they can see the playoff light, but you're past the trade deadline now, and, and I'm also not suggesting that they're just going to coast their way to the end of the regular season. That's not the case. But sometimes you just get just enough of a mental slip that some of what we've seen over the past three games come into your game. And they're banged up, too. McDonough and Ruta out. Stephen Stamkos left last night in the third period. John Cooper said that things had, had been bothering him, prevented him from finishing that game. The team is off today. We won't know his status until tomorrow. My guess is he probably doesn't play tomorrow, but that's just me talking out loud. So don't run to the bank with that. You know, I mean Braden Point took a shot to a unfriendly place last night. You know, Eric Chernak avoided injury in the Arizona game. He played, that's a good sign, but you can't tell me that he's a hundred percent after watching that take place. So there's a lot there's a lot that's going on that contributes to this and um you know, you don't want to see it slide. You don't want to go from three to four. That's the one thing this team has done this year. They've avoided the extended losing streaks. This is the longest losing streak in regulation of the season. Uh, and, again, they hadn't lost back-to-back regulation games before Vegas and Arizona. you got to go all the way back to November for that. So, All right, we're going to get Corey Long on the phone here uh, when we come back. So let's take a break, and we'll get Corey on and get some of his thoughts on what he saw right after this.
0: Oh, we've got more lightning talk for you. Unbelievable. Get a heaping helping of hockey with lightning lunch. It's your window to wait game. On lightning power play.
1: All right, Welcome back to lightning lunch here on lightning power play. Eric Rowlandson from LightningInsider.com. Uh, Corey's phone went straight to voicemail. So we'll see if we can, uh, Find out where he's at if he uh, if he gets back to us. We'll get him on the phone. Otherwise, we'll just keep going with the conversation here. Uh, Lightning Man, I wasn't specifically talking about you. <laughs> I promise you. Uh, you went a little hy- hyperbolic last night. You did. Let's not... Y- you did. But I'm not specifically talking about you because you do. You you do have a little balance. I, I think you tend to swing too far one way or the other sometimes. But, again, that's part of fandom, right? That's emotion. So I get it. Um, I don't plot And, look... I, you have to be extremely rude personally to me to block you. I'm not blocking anybody. There are certain people I might mute, but I don't block anybody. Keep, keep bringing them my way. I, I, again, I sometimes I'll just ignore it. Last night it was just too much. So that's why I publicly said I'm not answering any questions. I'm not responding anymore last night. But keep them coming. I'm not, I'm not specifically talking about you. There, there's a couple. There are two in particular, and I'm not going to call them out. But there are two in particular. That's all I ever hear. It's all I ever hear. Don't hear from them. And then one thing goes wrong, and bang, they're all over me. As if I have some control over it. But I'm, I promise you, I'm not talking about you. Um, there are a lot of comments coming in. So normally we save some of these for... The last segment, but uh, if we get Corey on the phone, we might have to save him for the last segment. So I do want to get to these. um, Is Sorelli hurt? Uh, You know, look, he did miss that game against Edmonton. Remember, he blocked the shot in Pittsburgh. He missed the final two periods of that game at Pittsburgh. So is he injured or is he banged up? Look, if if you're not feeling the effects of an NHL season 63 games in, it just means you ain't playing enough. It's just to what degree and how much are they dealing with. We know Steven Stamkos, he's been trying to play through whatever's been bothering him. Uh, he missed three games earlier this month. Again, left after the second period last night, did not return. We didn't get any update. There's no upper body. There's no lower body. So there's no information provided from the team other than they let us know he wasn't coming back. And then John Cooper said that, you know, a few things that have been bothering him sort of flared up a little bit. Those are my words, not his. I'm paraphrasing. But, you know, I'm sure he's banged up. Nikita Kucherov, again, remember, missed that game against Edmonton as well. He was injured uh, after taking a sort of nonchalanted or non- violent hit from Jack Johnson in that game against Pittsburgh and he missed the third period and then a game. So you know where there's something bothering him, I'm sure. You know, we even saw Mitchell Stevens miss a game before he was sent down. So players are banged up. Is Sorelli specifically? I don't know. And and, and there is a difference between being injured and hurt. Right? So he might be. He might be feeling the effects of that block shot. Good news is he didn't miss, you know, uh, there might be some lingering effects. And, And I guess in this situation, as we saw with Ryan McDonough, remember when Ryan McDonough went down? That was back on February the 6th. That he took the, sh- the Evgeny Malkin shot off the ankle. And even John Cooper said after the game, we, we hope it's not as bad as... It doesn't look as if it's as bad as we think it is, which they didn't think there was a fracture, so they must have had initial x-rays. The next day they probably went for an MRI, and this is just based on, you know, how things have happened in the past. So my guess is that the MRI showed something more, probably a fracture, which is why he's missed going on four weeks now three weeks tomorrow four weeks for next week so that's that is the the, about the time frame for that type of an injury so players are certainly banged up and injured this time of year so the good news with Sorelli is it didn't show any of that so he's probably dealing with some discomfort in the foot and that affects your skating you know so as you mentioned yeah you haven't noticed him as much maybe that's why we haven't noticed him as much. But maybe we don't notice him as much because you know the team's not playing well right now. That could be it as well. Uh, Stephanie has two. Um seeing people say that Vasilevsky's playing terrible. He needs to be benched. I don't feel the goals are on him. What's your opinion of his play in those last three losses where he's given up sixteen goals? Defensively has been less than stellar. <sighs> well, they they certainly hung him out to dry in Arizona. You know, and let, let's look at the goals last night. One of them, the first goal was a Jake Muzzin shot that he probably wants back only, and I only say that because I think it hit his glove. And if it hits your glove, you should catch it, right? So he probably, maybe there was a screen there. Maybe he didn't quite see it all the way in. You know, baseball term, look it all the way into your glove. Right, Connor? So maybe he didn't quite catch all of it, and it just hit his glove and went in. The second one, the Tavares, the first Tavares goal was a tip deflection from a long-range shot. Sometimes there's not really much a goalie can do if it's the right deflection, finds the upper corner. The third goal was the Tavares backhander, and there are three things that went wrong on that play. First of all, Kucherov lost the battle up high for the puck with Nylander. So Newlander is able to win that puck battle, get it to Tavares off the boards. And because Braden Colburn is over towards the side, he's not able to recover in time to cut down the lane. And then Zach Bogosian is sort of caught in no man's land. He's got a player behind him, but he also has Tavares coming in. And make a decision one way or the other. Take the puck or take the pass. It's like a two-on-one, right? Like you want to take the puck or take the pass. Usually you want to take the pass away. But he was kind of caught in between and was just kind of swiping a stick as he was backing up. Either hold your ground. Well, you probably have to cut cut off the path. Right? You probably have to step up and cut off the path. And Tavares comes in with a backhander. And as we've mentioned before, goalies will tell you backhanders are the hardest shots to read. And then you had the Nylander power play goal again, the between the legs, which there's not many goalies in the world or any goalie in the world probably going to stop that shot in that particular situation because he had the space in uh, on top of the crease to be able to pull that move off uh, and beat Vasilevsky. And that ends up being the game-winning goal. So, uh, again, he faced how many odd man rushes last night? A few of them on, while Tampa Bay was on the power play. And he came up with a couple of really, really good saves. So as we examine those goals, maybe one of them he wants to have back. A long-range shot. Um, the other one from Stephanie is the last three games have been a result of trying to figure out things in chemistry with the new guys. Or What do you attribute to the way they're playing? Have some old habits crept in? I think I go back to the Yanni Gore comment about how he said last night they didn't have the energy they've had before. So you're not seeing, you know, checks finished and, uh, all of that, that goes on. Um, I think that, you know, the, the mental focus that they had has slipped just enough that the attention to details aren't there. You know, uh, Alex Kalorn said it last night. They're not, the, 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 the forwards are not covering for the D quite as much. He, he used the phrase RF3, which is the, the third four checker. That third four checker has to stay high in the offensive zone. You don't want to get caught down too low for two reasons. Number one, you have to cover for the D. So if a D pinches down, they have to be high enough to cover the point. And the other one is is you don't want three players below the hash mark on most situations. There are certain reads where you can. But for the most part, you want to keep that guy high because you don't want to give up the odd man rushes against the other way, the three-on-twos, those type of plays. And that is, again, during that streak, they were terrific at that. The forwards were coming back and back-checking. They were covering for the D at the point. They were doing those things. Everybody was in sync. They look a little out of sync right now. I don't think that's due to the fact that you have a Blake Coleman. You had Barclay Goodrow make his debut last night and Bogosian. There is a little bit to that as Goodrow gets to you know read off of his new line mates and Bogosian off of his you know there is some of that that goes on but I don't think that's the reason why that mental uh, focus has shifted or has slipped um, you know and some of the puck management you know puck decisions it's it can be a big thing they they they're one of the things how much we talked about during that time was they were. Uh, managing the puck well. They were making the right decisions with the puck, keeping it simple, puck in, puck out. You know, I think what we've seen a little bit here too much are just poor puck decisions, especially trying to go back to the point areas. Right, teams try and take away that play along the boards, and I've seen a few too many of those type of passes try and get back to the point area. and It, it, it can result in a turnover and can result in an odd man rush the other way, or a three on two, or, you know, either way, you lose possession, you lose zone time, and all that. Um, From April, uh, most of us are with you. We don't want the negativity either, but I appreciate your insight and analysis, so thank you for always putting out a great product. Thank you for listening. I appreciate that. I I try and keep it balanced as much as I can. And I've said this before. I I am by nature a positive person, so I usually look for the positive things and don't focus so much on the negative because negativity brings you down, man. Negativity brings you down. I try not to look too much at the negative things. If you think too much about the negative, it it can take you to to spots you don't want to be in. So I try and keep it loose and positive. Even when I lost my job, I tried to keep it that way. It wasn't easy. Uh, from Rossi, thanks again for checking in. Uh, you cannot imagine how I appreciated your comments about all the negativity. If they all would show up to yesterday's game, it wouldn't feel like sitting to in Toronto either. <laughs> Long road trip, first game back, and three new players. Um, I, I get that. I understand that, but I also understand why season ticket holders most likely in these situations would would sell their tickets. I, I get I get that part of it too because, you know, the, the, the prices, the ticket prices here, not to get on the business side of things, but the ticket prices in Tampa are among the lowest in the league. Toronto, I'm pretty sure, might be the highest. And I have heard people tell me, and I haven't verified this because I don't know for a fact, but I've had uh, some people tell me that it is cheaper for a Maple Leafs fan, and this is why you see a lot of Maple Leafs fans actually have season tickets to Buffalo Sabres games, that it is cheaper for for Leafs fans to buy a ticket to a game down here, whether it's through the box office or the secondary market, and get on a plane and come down here and spend a couple of days and maybe catch the team down in sunrise like they will tomorrow, than it is to go to one Leafs game. So just... Keep that in mind and how much of a premium they're willing to pay for the tickets. But there were definitely a lot of Leafs fans there. Last night, you know, we see this on occasion when the Red Wings were at their glory. You know, I remember Todd Laiwiki when he was the CEO here uh, saw so much red in the building. It was actually even an octopus thrown on the ice. You know, that didn't sit well with them, but, uh, you know, you, you can't always control. They've They've done some ways. They're trying to eliminate... Ticket brokers, if you will, buying season tickets and then reselling all of them. So they are monitoring you. They are monitoring your tickets. And if you continue to sell them too much, they're going to take your season ticket membership away. Um, from Kyle, I don't understand why people are surprised. We have some injured key players, three new players on the team. It's going to take a while to find chemistry. Old habits are creeping in, but they can be fixed. Uh, agree with a lot of that. You know, Coleman, again, only played his third game last night. He's been good. It hasn't shown up. He hasn't got the reward or the result for it. But he's been good. He was good again last night. Uh, I thought Goudreau in his debut, I was looking maybe for more of a physical impact from him because that's what we were told his game was. I'll be honest, I don't know a ton about his, his game other than what we were told, you know, once that deal was made. We know he's, he can be a physical center. He played some wing last night, but he also played some center. You know, we didn't see him kind of turn his game up until the third period, but it's a new player. Sometimes sometimes new players in new situations tend to, I don't know, f- not feel their way, but, you know, they don't jump right in. Some other players do, and they want to come in and make that impact. I guess that's what I was expecting from Goodrow last night. I didn't see it, certainly in the first two periods. And just to break it down uh, just real quick, Coleman in his home debut had that one penalty, uh, ended up with one shot on goal, two shot attempts, five hits. He finished with uh, just under 17 minutes of ice time, which this is funny in a way. Uh, He played 18 shifts last night because John Cooper brought this up in the postgame that he couldn't believe Goodrow's ice time was so low (laughs) because Goodrow ended up with 10 minutes and 40 seconds of ice time on 17 shifts. So Coleman played 18 shifts, almost 17 <laughs> minutes, whereas Goodrow played 17 shifts and only 10 minutes. Uh, that's where that average shift length comes in. Goodrow was only 37 seconds, and Coleman was 55 seconds. And 55 is a, is just a tad high for a forward, usually 45 seconds per shift is about the, the, the target zone for forwards. Uh, so, Goudreau ended up with an assist. He had an assist, a secondary assist on Yanni Gord's third period goal. Uh, so, he had the assist. He was a plus one and three hits, two shot attempts. Uh, went three for six on his face-off, So, he was 50%. Um, had a minute 44 of shorthand in time as opposed to Coleman, who had a minute 14 of shorthand in time. And then Bogosian, who was paired with Braden Coburn, uh, those two were on the ice for both of the five-on-five goals that the Leafs did score in that game, and Bogosian ends up with 14-24 of ice time. Uh, two shots on goal. Almost scored. He had a shot in the first period that went off the glove of Frederick Anderson and hit the crossbar and stayed out. Wouldn't that have been a debut? Uh, ended up with three hits. And I asked John Cooper about all three of those players last night. He really liked all three of their games. Um, you, know, you know, We mentioned uh, Bogosian's play on the – Tavares' goal, which came 31 seconds after Pat Maroon had tied it. Another disappointing aspect that came in. So those were the three players that made their uh, home debuts last night, two of them their debuts in general. Uh, So there are a few bad habits, Kyle, that are coming back, and that's where I go back to the attention of detail. Um, Also from Kyle, what I don't understand is one of the fundamental basic things that shoot the puck, why don't they shoot it more, I understand they can't all the time, but it can't be that hard to not make the extra pass. Yeah, I saw a lot of that last night. There was definitely a lot of overpassing taking place in the game last night. Looks good when it connects, but it doesn't always connect. I mean, Nikita Kucherov had a wide-open shot uh, from between the circles at one point, opted to pass to Steven Stankos. And I'll I'll say this about that because I did have a back-and-forth somebody who doesn't even follow me, I don't understand that sometimes, but um, you know, questioned uh, Kucherov needs to shoot that. Well, look, if he makes that pass, and this is how players think sometimes, and I told you they process this information in a split second, literally a split second. If he connects on that pass, it's a goal. It's a guaranteed goal. The puck was just a little bit ahead of Steven Stamkos. He couldn't quite get to it, uh, and it was kind of a a a fumbled shot. But if he connects, it's a guaranteed goal because Frederick Anderson's not going to get over in time to stop it, and it's it's Steven Stamkos. And again, he has to process that in a couple of seconds. And this is one of those people who show up in my timeline who question, have you ever played the game? That's the laziest argument ever, ever, ever. Don't bring it to me. I will mute you because I muted him. Don't bring that argument to me. But there was a lot of that extra passing going on. All right, Connor, we need to take another break. Uh, No word from Corey, so we'll have to uh, just continue for the last segment. Um, You know, we'll bring up a couple things. Big injury to the Leafs last night, and that has a bearing. Uh, We'll talk about that a little bit and the um, effect it'll have potentially on Tampa Bay. So uh, we'll talk about that when we come back. Stick around.
0: Lightning Talk. Log on to LightningInsider.com for more puck pontification. Oh, if 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 uh, if if, uh, if, if, yes, if if we it. oh if oh look, it's quite simple. More Lightning Lunch with Eric Erlinson on Lightning Power Play.
1: All right, welcome back to our final segment here on Lightning Lunch, Wednesday, February the 26th. Don't forget, Greg Lenolle has Lightning Power Play live coming up for you at six o'clock tonight. Uh, He'll give you his take on what he saw last night uh, and get you set for tomorrow night's game against the Chicago Blackhawks. Again, that's a 7 p.m. game. Uh, Chicago coming off a 6-5 loss last night to the St. Louis Blues in what was a wild game. Uh, I guess the Blues had a two or three goal lead in the third period. The Blackhawks struck quickly to tie it, and St. Louis came back and won it with a late goal. Uh, So, you know, I mentioned this on the post-game show with Greg last night during our are back and forth. You wonder if uh, reality is set in for the Blackhawks. You know, they did their best to kind of stay above water a little bit, tried to stay in the playoff race. uh, But they have kind of fallen too far out at this point. They ended up trading Robin Leonard in a, I'm not even sure the parameters ended up being a three-way trade of some sort. But Leonard ends up in Vancouver. uh, And the Blackhawks have now fallen eight points out of a playoff spot, and they have one more game played than Nashville, who currently occupies the number eight spot. Uh, So, again, Chicago is here tomorrow night. Calgary is here on Saturday. Uh, Those two teams, uh, Calgary in particular, is actually in a playoff spot right now um, in that very competitive, if not mediocre, Pacific division. Uh, All right, the injury that I had mentioned last night, that happened last night, News came out today. Jake Muzzin, defenseman for the, the Maple Leafs, uh, suffered a fracture in his hand. He left the game late in the second period. as a Victor Hedman shot that hit him on the right hand. He is expected to miss at least four weeks. Remember, Toronto is already missing Morgan Riley. And they are also missing Cody Ceci. Riley is still probably at least another week or so away from returning, Uh, and CeCe, uh, I'm not sure on his timeline, but he has an ankle injury. They both skated for the first time on Monday, so they're not uh, quite ready to return yet. But now the Leafs, who are in Sunrise tomorrow in a rather important game for both teams. Florida just two points behind the Leafs with a game in hand. So, you can see the importance of that game from a Florida perspective. So, this obviously has a potential big impact on Tampa Bay because if Tampa Bay finishes in the second spot in the Atlantic Division, then their opponent is expected to be either Toronto or Florida. Could be Buffalo. I know Montreal is ahead of them right now, but. Um, the the Canadians play more games than anybody else in the Eastern Conference, so they're difficult for them. Um, but Buffalo has some games in hand as well, and you know they could find a way to at least put themselves in the conversation. Um, but as you look at the schedule here, and I will focus just on Florida and Toronto. Toronto has. 25, sorry, 18 games remaining. They're split nine home, nine away. The Panthers have 19 games remaining. They have 11 at home and eight on the road. As you can imagine, the teams that come here to face the Lightning are the same ones that end up facing the the Panthers. So they have Toronto tomorrow night. They have Chicago on that's Sunday? Saturday. And then they have Calgary on Sunday. And then Boston and Montreal. So those are the teams that come here during this five-game homestand. They will be in Sunrise afterwards or during this same segment. So the Panthers have road games left at St. Louis, at Dallas, not easy, at Detroit, at Winnipeg and then at Toronto, at Ottawa, at Montreal, and at Boston before they finish the season with a three-game homestand against the Rangers, Ottawa, and the Capitals. Toronto still has, they still have to go out to California, so they have the California trip, San Jose, L.A., and Anaheim. They still have road games left at Boston. They come back here March 25th. They're at Carolina, at Ottawa, at Washington before they close the season out at home against Detroit and Montreal. So you see the importance of tomorrow night's game for the Leafs. Now without Jake Muzzin, already without Morgan Riley and Cody Ceci, that's three of their top six defensemen, they're going to have to rely on Rasmus Sandin and Timothy Lilligren who was a pair last night, and they got abused a couple of times. You know, it was Sandine on the Kucherov goal that Steven Stamkos kind of turned into a twisty pop. And they had, they called up Callie uh, Janssen the defenseman that they had before. They made a, the, the only deadline day trade they made was sending goalie Michael Hutchinson to Colorado um, for Rosen. Callie Rosen is his name. So uh, issues on the back end for Toronto, so that's going to have a, a potential impact on this playoff race, this this race for the number three seed in the Atlantic Division. And m- maybe this is a topic we'll have at some point. Maybe we will put this out as a poll question. Where would you rather have Tampa Bay finish, first or second in the division? Do you want to play... And we had Mike Johnson on the show last week, and he said, I want home ice. I want to f- want to win the division. <clears throat> Finishing second in the division means, again, as I said, a first-round matchup against either Toronto, Florida, or long-shot Buffalo. Or if you win the division and you have home ice, and you'll have home ice if you finish second in the division in the first round. But if you win the division... You have home ice, but your potential opponent could be, we saw Tampa Bay go through this last year, Carolina, Columbus, the Islanders, Pittsburgh, Washington, the Rangers, Philadelphia. It's a lot of teams potentially that you would have to plan for, and I think that this is one of the areas that the Lightning struggled with when it came to it. They were the first series to open last year, which means they had the least amount of time to prepare for their opponent, because they didn't know until the last day or the next-to-last day of the season who it was going to be. It ended up being Columbus. We know what happened. Uh, Paul chimes in, for what it's worth, I don't mind the Lightning struggling a bit right now. The knock against the Lightning last season was they weren't playing meaningful games at the end of the season. End of the season, they got overconfident. We don't have to worry about that now uh, with a smiley face. Well, again, you don't have issues, and I said it last year, and I'll say it again. You don't. Tampa Bay did not lose that series against Columbus because of how they were playing in March. They lost that series against Columbus because they didn't play well against Columbus. They just didn't play well. It had nothing to do with how they were playing. This I don't. I don't buy this momentum because you finish the season strong, you go into the playoffs and momentum. No. Ah, oh, but Eric St. Louis, yeah. For every St. Louis, I'll give you an Ottawa Senators. Remember that year the Senators finished the season like 23 and whatever to storm their way into the postseason? And guess what happened to them? They lost their first three postseason games. I don't buy momentum one way or the other. Can't convince me otherwise. So, again... Because of how they're playing in these past three games doesn't mean that's how things are going to go when you get to April. Uh, And as Sharon points out, uh, the loss to Toronto last night dropped their playoff odds by 3,000th of a percent. They're at 99.99% to make the playoffs. So uh, Mr. Hyperbole last night, who said they're going to miss the playoffs now because of this, there's your odds. Again, I love the passion. Keep interacting with me. I might just ignore you. I might just ignore you, but keep it up. I'll take it. Um, and before we sign off, Chris asked about Bogosian, Goodrow, and Coleman last night. Uh, Bogosian, I thought, was okay. You know, he st- Again, we talked about the bad read he made on the second Tavares goal, the backhander. Uh, good hard shot. I thought he made a really good play to open up some space and gain the, the zone. You can see those offensive instincts. Really hard shot. Just ask Braden Point about it. Um, so I thought Bagosian was okay. Uh, I think I was expecting more out of Goodrow, but that doesn't mean he played poorly. Uh, I just came in with this expectation that he was going to be a physical kind of guy. Didn't sense that. Maybe that changes. He gets a little bit more comfortable. Uh, and, again, Blake Coleman's been really good in the three games that he's played really good. He hasn't been rewarded for it, but he's been really good, and the irony there is that Goodrow (laughs) actually ended up with a a point next to his name last night. All right, we're going to check out of here. Again, Tampa Bay is hosting the Chicago Blackhawks tomorrow night at 7. It's game two of a five-game homestand that will conclude uh, next Thursday. In between, you have the Calgary Flames here on Saturday. Keep in mind that that is a 4 p.m. start on Saturday against the Calgary Flames. Uh, Next Tuesday, you have the Boston Bruins here, and then Thursday, it is the Montreal Canadiens in a five game homestand. We're down to the teens. As Chief says, once you get to the teens, they go fast. It's a really bad French accent, but one of his teammates would tell him that when he was with the Flyers. Once you get to the teens, they're going to go fast. We are now down to 19 games remaining on the season. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Keep the interactions coming. So thank the Paul. Thanks to Kyle. Thanks to Stephanie. Thanks to Lightning Man. Thanks to Sharon. Thanks to Chris. Uh, everybody for chiming in today. Um, this show is here for you. Again, I try and keep things as balanced as possible uh, to kind of give you the right kind of perspective uh, on what we see. Thanks to Connor Zielinski, as always, for putting it together. I'll be back here at noon tomorrow ahead of the Blackhawks game. Until then... Bye-bye, everybody!